0: Welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twin Twiniversity. Did you know that the top three topics of Twiniversity are help, breastfeeding, and strollers? Yep, so breastfeeding is of course right up there because it really is, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to breastfeed twins. Not everybody has the opportunity to have it come very organically to them. And having as much support as possible is really a necessity when you're breastfeeding twins. And that's where RumbleTuff comes in. So RumbleTuff is a new player to the breastfeeding pump world, but not only do they make an absolutely extraordinary pump, but they're doing one better by giving you an absolutely extraordinary experience. When you buy a RumbleTuff, whether it's through your insurance or through a retail purchase, any user who registers their product actually gets free pumping support from their team of absolutely extraordinary IBCLCs. Now, I have had the wonderful pleasure to share a few meals, a few drinks, even have a little hot tubbing experience with Stephanie and Renee, two of the IBCLCs over at RumbleTuff. And I have to tell you that they have absolute hearts of gold. Not only are they breastfeeders themselves with their own children, but they really understand what parents of twins go through. And I love, love, love to discuss breastfeeding mamas with other IBCLCs. Now, for the record, I am not an IBCLC. I am just an old school CLC. But I get so excited when we could have discussions about clogged ducts and breast milk production and all these things that normal people probably don't care about. But the team at RumbleTuff really does. I could always count on them for a good hearted breastfeeding discussion, and I know that you guys could count on them too for the support that you need when you are breastfeeding your twins. So head on over to RumbleTuff.com, R-U-M-B-L-E-T-U-F-F.com, and just remember Any purchase, whether it's through insurance or a retail purchase, will actually get free pumping support. You got to go check them out. RumbleTough.com. Tell them Nat sent you. Wee. What's up with Nat? What's up with Nat? Do you ever watch that SNL skit? It's really what's up with that. It's Kenan Thompson. And he does this, this skit where he's like, um, like, like a Steve Harvey type of host, but it's like a musical show. And the show is called what's up with that. And so the theme song goes, Ooh, wee, what's up with that? What's up with that? And it's a whole thing, but I like to make it what's up with Nat. Okay. And I now have students. That sing that in their head when they come to class. I'm going to have to go on YouTube and look at this. I said, ooh wee, what's up with Nat? What's up with Nat? Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you should quit Twiniversity and just become a singer. No. Do you know how I know that I shouldn't? How? One of my favorite YouTube reviews is, could she just stop singing? Oh, it, I was reviewing the Larktail Wagon. And you were singing? I don't even remember singing because I interject the, the element of song wherever I go because it's joy. Yeah. And this guy had to yuck my yum, as my kids would say. Jerk. But it's funny because I, I love a bad review.
1: Oh, I know your favorite bad review.
0: What's my favorite bad review? About the cannibalism, that's the best. <laughs> so, hi guys, I'm Nat from Twiniversity, and I am accompanied by Miss uh, Lauren Oak of the Great Oak Tribe of yes. the Island of Long. Yes, and I am not a cannibal. Are you a cannibal? No, no. Are, would you ever be? Who would we eat first out of all of our friends? No one. That's just oh hard. you were so boring oh no uh you don't know who you would eat first out of your friends monica, monica. we'll eat monica a hundred percent is monica is who we eat first yes i'm glad we're in agreement because she eats good yummy stuff and drinks yes drink, so she's probably a marinated yes she has good quality foods yes i would 100 percent eat monica first yes. let's eat monica i'm glad see you were, <laughs> you were you were you were hesitant at first I knew who we did first. I don't first. want to hang out with us now. That's okay. She still will. She'll, She'll just know her place. Healthy. She didn't know her place in society. It's fine. Yeah. She's oh. got to go. Plus she does yoga. So like, I feel like oh. that keeps her her wiggly yeah. and limber. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would say. But yeah, but that's my favorite. Do you remember the part, like why I was called a cannibal? About the placenta encapsulation, right? Yes. So it's an, it's a review on Goodreads and I may have to actually find it to read it for us because I think Mm -hmm. that I need to, but yeah, I love me. Uh, uh, do you remember my, the review that I got of the podcast? No. My very, very, very first podcast review is something to the effect of all she does is yell at her dog. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on, Lauren. Did I yell at my dog once today? Uh, not that I witnessed. <sighs> oh my God. Look, I'm, I'm literally on Goodreads and I'm, I'm Googling what's up with Nat. <laughs> That's your next book title. Oh know. my gosh. Oh my gosh. I you hope that I a find diary it. Of all the nonsense that goes on in your life every day and just sell it. Oh, on, like when we were, when we were talking about like, what are me and you going to talk about? Like before the podcast and I want to do this, I was, I was trying to be like very official and be like, this is what we're going to talk about. And this is what we're going to do. Yes. And the whole twin diversity team is like, absolutely not. We just, <laughs> we just want a glimpse into you and Lauren's life. life. I'm like, yes. okay. Cause it's chaos and no one would believe it. If no. we sold like a true life story of our lives, they'd be like, this is, yeah. Oops. Sorry. That's okay. Now. Great. Leave uh, that out. Thanks Lauren. <laughs> Appreciate it. Now that just cost me another $10 or uh, whatever it is, but what is the, the craziest thing that's happened in your universe this week? This week. I don't think anything really crazy happened in my week. Last week I had to be Ubered home from work. Cause I fell ill out of the blue. Yes. That wasn't good. No. And they couldn't figure
1: out what was wrong with me.
0: Yeah. That's, like, uh, so you didn't have the flu or anything? No flu, no COVID, nothing. They sent out like another test with, to test for like a hundred different viruses, nothing. Yes. Else. Anna too. She's home for a week and we still have no idea. Yeah. So, but on a bright side, I found the review. Okay. I want to hear Are it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to read you the whole review because it's a little long. But I do want to read this part. It has, um, the gentleman's name is Hassam, Mm -hmm. and I got two stars. Okay, at least you got a star. Yeah. I I can't believe that with this horrible, horrible review that he he
1: gave me (laughs) me two stars.
0: Okay, so what he talks about is how I recommend bribery. Okay, so he thinks that's uh-huh. that's morally that I'm morally corrupted, and then um, and he says I won't mention that she recommends borrowing, renting, or stealing stuff. <laughs> okay, Steal now for the record, I do recommend stealing stuff. Yeah, and, like stuff at the hospital that your insurance is getting billed for. Thank you. So it's not really stealing, but I use that word just to be funny. Yeah but it's not like I'm saying go hold the, the nurses up at knife point to get things. Oh my gosh. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, then he also says, what I dislike more is the obvious aesthetic language that she uses everywhere. Hold your baby and look at what you've created. Oh my God, who is the real creator? He's mad at me because God's the real creator. Wow. And so he's like, do you have a choice of his features, skin color, eye color, length? And I'm consistently referring to mother nature that is supposed to have a full and natural control of everything. This silly notion is consistently mentioned till the end of the book, not to mention her love and appreciation to same-sex families. Oh, come on, Lauren. Okay, wait, here it is. Drum roll, please, Lauren. And it was so disgusting to read about eating your placenta. No, no, not as raw, raw flesh, but after grind and chewing as pills. Yuck, Mrs. Cannibal. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Honestly, I would just like to thank the Academy and Hassam for this wonderful (laughs) review. But guys, I will tell you, I love same-sex families. I love single families. I love conventional, traditional, unconventional, whatever kind of family you are, you are welcome in my home. You are welcome on my website. You are welcome to listen to my podcast. I challenge anybody who does it. I would like to go as far as to say, if you are in that much opposition of same-sex families, please delete me from your life. I am okay with that. I am sorry if I am, I will continue. The only reason is, is not because I don't want you to be part of my life, but I don't want to continuously offend you. And I don't want you to ever be uncomfortable by the things that I say. Therefore, I do recommend that perhaps you don't come to Twin Twiniversity as often because we are, always going to be inclusive. And if my inclusivity is going to make you uncomfortable, then I am very 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 sorry. Um but I'm probably this you're probably just not we're not right for each other. Yeah, and that's an okay thing. Yes, cuz we're not for everybody. No. We're definitely not for everybody and that's okay. You know, that's fine. That's totally fine. I'm not going to I can't be everybody's cup of tea. Exactly. I will be very upset and I'll lose sleep over the fact that you don't love me, but that's a different story for a different day. But dude, the yuck, Mrs. Cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I really, I really can't. And the first, for, also for the record, this is the original version of the book. Um, but he did say for the second half of the book, it started making sense to me, despite So many things being obvious at first hand. Otherwise, I would have rated it one star. And I would like to read his final sentence. Time wasted. I bet he wrote that before he had his kids. And then he had them. And now he probably has like one more. And he's like, oh my God, she was right. Okay, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm adding him as a friend. I think... I need to know. We should have him on and we should talk to him. I literally I ask him what he feels now as a father of twins. Years I, later. I think him. I'm going to do that. Okay. We're going to try. We're going to try. Okay. Because I, am, I read
1: your review
0: and I've been thinking it over for the last couple of years. Yes. Let's talk. Yes. Because I am a cannibalistic atheist heathen. <laughs> Which doctor? I can't, I'm uh, okay, guys. So anywho, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. I'm glad that we had, or I'm glad that you, you might think that this was an uplifting thing because today's podcast is a little heavy. Oh, okay. So it's another interesting podcast. And this season, if I don't need therapy after every single episode this season, I feel like I'm winning. But I will also tell you yet another outstanding mom. Guess what? She has twins. Correct. She has (laughs) twins. Shocker. Okay. So her name is Dana Rajni. And I will tell you that she had her twins at home. Oh, not on purpose or not planned. Okay. Okay. Not planned at all. This is um, yet another episode with a trigger warning, I will tell you. So she had them very early. Okay. Okay. Very, very early. And it was an interesting story that not only was I interested in her story because it's just fascinating. It took her so long to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and then she finally did. And then- it was just one thing after the next, but I mean, she was, she was pretty early. So I'm going to tell everybody right now, she delivered at 25 weeks, five days. Wow. So that's like, like just past viable. Yes. But good news. Yeah. Kids are kicking butt.
1: Amazing. Amazing. That's love. what
0: I, I love is like, you could listen to these stories and if you listen to them, you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. And I'm not saying that, first of all, I would never have an episode that if we didn't have an ending that I thought we could all handle as a team, mm-hmm. that I would publish it, but I, or I wouldn't publish it. It would really depend on what the situation is. Okay. But the people who often find us are the people who have unbelievably successful outcomes that want to share- their journey and their experience. Yep. Did you find that you needed to tell people about the birth of the twins? I mean, you you had a traumatic birth. Yes, I do. I tell my clients a lot of the times if they're having a rough time and, you know, just not to be like scary or anything, but just to let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. You know, yes, I had my girls at 32 weeks. They were in the NICU. There were issues, you know. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And me too. My my equally as traumatic birth. And I was at 34 weeks where it shouldn't be that traumatic. Like if you hear somebody made it to 34. But you know what's funny, Lauren? Is that me and you would hear 32 weeks or even 29 weeks. And we would be like, they're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Right? Even 25 weeks. I'm like, what state were you in? Okay, we're good. Like if I knew that you delivered in a level four NICU, like what yeah. happened? Yeah. But I will tell you that she delivered her babies at home with nobody there except her husband. Oh my goodness. Okay, so at 25 weeks she delivered these babies in the house. Wow. So like it it it's it's a story and Dana is so sweet and she just moved too. Like I can't even believe that she's like like let's have a let's do a podcast interview in the <laughs> middle of all these boxes. <laughs> Why not? That's how we roll. That is how we roll. Oh my gosh, so are you ready to meet Dana? Yes. All right, guys, here is Miss Dana Raj. Dana, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Dana, you are one of our Twiniversity people who definitely have a wild and crazy birth story and are still on a wild and crazy adventure, <laughs> right? They always say there's no one type of, of twin birth. And I think that for you, you definitely broke the mold.
1: On, on this <laughs> one.
0: So you find out that you are expecting, and then you go to your scans, and things are looking good. And then you find out that you're having a boy and a girl, which mm-hmm. is my favorite type to have. Yes. But yes, you know, they're I'm, amazing. <laughs> I'm partial too. And then your pregnancy took a little. Um, unconventional, we'll put it nicely, turn. So tell us a little bit about that first moment when you found out that you were having twins and walk us into your
1: very out of
0: the ordinary uh, (laughs) delivery day.
1: Thanks. Well, it started, we actually took, it took us three or four years to even conceive. Um, I, we got, we were together since we were 19, we got married at 26 and a year later, started trying and then, um, we were kind of doing the trying, but not trying and yeah. then got more, um, serious about it and nothing was happening. So after a year or two of that, I found out I had PCOS and I was on metformin, but I never ended up doing any sort of fertility treatment. So the only thing I did was metformin okay. to help ovulate. So, um, That still wasn't working. So we were planning to talk to the fertility specialist and start taking medication. And a month before that, my period was always irregular, but I kind of one day decided to take a test, which I did pretty much any month, every month anyways. But I took a test, found out I was pregnant and it was already crazy because it was right before we we had pretty much given up, which they always say it's going to happen when you don't expect it to happen. So it finally happened. And we went to the first appointment at, it was supposed to be eight weeks, but then when they did the ultrasound, it was only, I think seven weeks, two days, but found out it was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was with me and we were shocked. I think I just laughed. <laughs> um, and I remember I was laying there getting checked and the ultrasound tech was looking and she had asked me before what my symptoms were. And I said, um, I wasn't feeling sick or having any nausea. And as she was checking, she didn't tell us it was twins. She just said, at first, well, I'm surprised you haven't been sick. And then mm-hmm. we saw the other embryo start show up. Um, so that was amazing. And then we, the pregnancy was yeah, going smoothly. I did find out at my first um, blood sugar test for diabetes that I was almost at gestation, diabetes, but mm-hmm. not. Okay. So they recommended diet, diet change. And all I did was check my okay. blood sugar. That was the only, they didn't even consider it a complication, but that was the okay. only thing I had that was a little, not the standard pregnancy, but they said that was normal for twins. Okay. So we found out at 20 weeks, it was a boy and a girl. Very exciting. The whole time I like couldn't, be- I was just scared because I couldn't believe it was actually working out. Yeah. Um, and then... 24 weeks, we went in for a level two ultrasound, and that was recommended because at the 20 weeks they sc- saw a couple possible soft markers on my daughter. But it ended up that had no issue. When okay. at 20 weeks everything was, it ended up having a closer look. It was not correct. So the 20 week four week ultrasound was perfect. Okay. They measured my cervix. They checked my whole, body. like every level was fine. Everything looked fine um, no concerns. And that was, I think it was actually about 24 weeks, three days. So it was a few days after 24 weeks. And I ended up having them at 25, five. And I can go into it when you're yeah. ready. How that So,
0: happens. so now <laughs> I know that you were saying that the night before your delivery, that you had some back pain and that you Very were bad. a little, um, you had a little constipation and you were like yeah which is pretty typical right yeah. for for any pregnancy especially a twin pregnancy so you didn't really think anything of it and considering that your previous scans were were just ho hum and nothing to write home about. There was literally no reason for you to think that anything was going on. Now, when you when you said that you were like, oh, you know, I felt this little back pain, did it raise any red flags inside of you, where you would just
1: and you talked your way out of it, or you were just like, that's what? I mean, honestly, it wasn't any different than it had been before. It wasn't even. I think it was more just a little back discomfort rather than even it wasn't a cramp. And it was, I mean, my back was just a little sore. Yeah. And that happened all the time. And I had asked them about it before and it, they all, people joked. It was, I had a small body at the time and I was carrying twins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I already looked full term pretty for one baby at 25 yeah. weeks. Um, and it was just a little, I just thought I needed, IV, or I don't remember I what Tylenol, Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't anything. And then throughout the night I did feel constipated. And then that also I just blamed on diet because that didn't seem that unreasonable. And yeah. I had just had my birthday a few days ago and I had had a lot of ice cream and a lot of treats and things like that. And I um, didn't get concerned until, I mean, the very, very, like a couple of minutes before it ended up happening. I was yeah. thinking like, oh, maybe I should call and um I was about to and yeah that day I felt perfectly fine like that day I actually had bumped into a I got some twin gear from a friend and joked that I hoped I would make it to 36 weeks so I had no idea I was having trouble so um so yeah in the middle of the night yeah
0: so that's what I was going to say what time of the Mm -hmm. day was it that you got up 5 a.m is when it happened okay so you get up at five a.m. You feel
1: like you have to go to the bathroom. I it was I was just uncomfortable, and I had been on the couch. So I stood up, and I felt. That's when I felt just one like jolt, mm-hmm. and I ran to the bathroom. I didn't know what was. How, that was my instinct was to run to the bathroom. And the second I sat down, I lost my uterus blood. Okay. And then I made a noise. I don't remember if I screamed or just. I knew something was wrong because I knew what yeah. it was. Yeah. And my husband was across the hall in the bedroom and he ran out. And then this right when he got to me, so it had been maybe five seconds since I lost Amika's plug, my first baby came out just into the toilet. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, he didn't. It wasn't even a slow. He literally just like flew out. Yeah. Like right so you, after were, you were
0: fully <laughs> dilated, ready to rumble. Everything was happening. And so previous... Yeah. This is going to just sound crazy, but yeah. do, w- when you went for that last scan, mm-hmm. did they check your cervix and they were yeah. like, yeah, everything's good, it's nice and long, everybody's fine.
1: Yeah. And I've had my OB look back at it. Yeah. And everything was a normal measurement.
0: Yeah, so there was there was literally no signs your body was just like, this is happening. And so yeah. you you deliver baby A. Baby A comes mm-hmm. out. Did w- was the mucus cl- plug like I'm gonna like get TMI it TMI because at fine, this point I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So you're so you're sitting there and your mucus plug comes out. Is that still in the bowl? And then yes. baby A. So nothing yes. even happened. You're just like shocked. You have no idea yeah. even what. Do, do they talk to you about what your mucus plug was that you even knew what to look for?
1: I. I was one of those anxious pregnant people before, but I mean I the funny it's kind of funny this happened to me because I Googled everything all the time. Okay. And I probably knew too much about yeah what my body could be doing pregnancy and I never caught that this that I was having issues. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I knew what a mucus plug was just from reading all my apps and okay. pregnancy websites.
0: Okay. <laughs> so now so now you, which it is, I mean, it's pretty clear of what it is. If anybody, a mm-hmm. lot of twin parents don't even get to have that experience yeah. that they never lose their mucus plug. So a lot of people don't, but it's basically like a wet, clumpy pack of tissues, let's say like, yeah. it's, it looks like very specific. So it's hopefully,
1: like jelly-ish, like a big, yeah. And I lost the whole thing. I think like sometimes people lose it in pieces. Yeah. Like here and there, it was the whole, I mean, I'd never noticed it before. I'd never had anything.
0: So now you deliver baby A mm-hmm. and baby A your the umbilical cord is
1: still hanging from me. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now your your husband's where when this is happening? He's
1: in the bathroom and he actually called 911 and called Good. it in as a stillborn.
0: Okay. So now <laughs> you're so now everybody just is you're wilding out. You have did you try to retrieve baby A or did baby B yeah. come out too quick?
1: No, so first I, he was, we didn't know what to, I mean, we were totally in panic mode autopilot. I looked at him and at first I didn't know what to do. And it probably was only up to five seconds, but I felt like it was too long. I, he was laying there and then I, he kind of like twitched. So I was like, okay, he's, he's, something's happening. Like maybe he's not gone. So I picked him up and my first instinct, I um I pulled open his chin and I tapped on his chest mm-hmm. and he took a breath. Wow. And um yeah, it's and he um then he was um, um more he was more alert. I mean his you know, eyes were closed and everything. He wasn't like an average newborn, but he yeah. um his body you could tell he was breathing. Wow. So after I did that, he was breathing and I was just holding him and like holding him close because we didn't have anything to warm them up at the time. Um, and then my husband was on the phone with dispatch and then within a minute or two of him being born, and his name's James. Um, within right after he was born, I started feeling movement down below like that. My daughter was coming. Um, so I gave James to Jeff. My husband is Jeff.
0: And the umbilical and, cord
1: is still yeah. attached. He still have the yeah. Okay. We did not cut it. And that's the whole story too. Um, we kept the umbilical cord and it wasn't even so intentional as much as I think everything was going so fast. We didn't yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, I had seen from ultrasounds that Vera, my daughter's name is Vera, baby B, that she was breech. So she came out breech and um her feet just started coming out of me and I pulled her out myself and I got her. I mean, I don't even remember exactly, what, but I had to pull out her legs and her shoulders were, you know, harder to get out. And I pulled her out completely and held her and she was blue, also not really moving. And I did the same thing. I opened up her chin and tapped on my chest and she made like a little like squeak as she took her breath, which was interesting. And um, so she still had, she had her umbilical cord too and I was holding her, Jeff was sitting in front of me holding James. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we thought about getting towels to warm off at that point. I think we were just holding them. Um, within about five minutes of him calling 911, the first responder came, like our police officer mm-hmm. came. And the poor girl, she's very sweet, but she was probably, looked very new, like young 20s. She came oh. in our, the door was locked. Jeff had to run down and lock the door for her, giving James and. She came in and she looked, came to her bathroom and just like jaw dropped. And she didn't know what she just kind of stood there and she kept calling on the walkie talkie for other people to come ambulance. And it took a total of about 20 minutes for Pyramidus to end up coming. So it was just us and the police officer just kind of standing, like being trying to be support, but she was more mm-hmm. pacing the hallway and looking out the door. So we were on the front of dispatch while that was going on. She was there. We were still on the front of dispatch. And they told me to find anything we had and clamp the cords okay. to cut them. And I said that to Jeff and he said, no, he was like, that doesn't sound right. I'm not doing that. Okay. So we chose not to in the position we were in. I was still in the toilet holding Vera and Jeff was right in front of the toilet. So the umbilical cord was kind of like flat. It wasn't yeah. down. It, wasn't, it was, I was that. So um, we were just sitting there, not really doing anything, just holding them. Finally, paramedics came they came in the bathroom and they clamped the cords and wrapped them up in blankets and rushed them to each other on ambulance. Um, Well, they rushed them to the ambulance and started getting them, I think, set up with cords and everything. And then they moved me to the couch to try to help me get um, my um, placentas out. I never lost my placentas. Yeah and um it was kind of the towel I was on and it was a Vera Bradley towel we didn't really think of that in the moment but that was funny because it was my daughter but um so they the main parent egg was talking to me for a while and like leading the other ones about what to do he Was a really nice older man and about 10 minutes of me laying on the couch one of the other ones came inside and the old guy was like what are you doing they he thought they had left and they were just in that street so okay. they hadn't even left yet um So I don't, I think that's pretty much the gist of what happened at the house. I'm trying to think if there's any, I mean, there's questions that came up after once we got to the hospital. Um, They rushed the three of us to the closest hospital near us. Okay. In Minnesota. We're in a, we were West of the twin cities in Minnesota. Um, We went to the first hospital and they sent me to a room. The babies were in the, the huge incubator, you know, um, and in the big like life i don't remember the i don't they were in the special <laughs> kind of incubators they put babies in when they're being transferred i was in the room by myself and they brought with my husband and they brought the babies to us to see them okay and they were both stable for what they were i mean i did find out when they got to the hospital james was sent to the resuscitation room okay And I never heard more about what that meant, but I actually found that out in my ambulance because as I was in the ambulance, now thinking back of it, it was pretty traumatic. I was there by myself and my husband followed in a car and the paramedic had his walkie-talkie. So I kept being able to hear everything they were saying about the kids. Okay. And in it, I heard him say like, where is baby A or where is baby B? And they said, they're in the resuscitation room. So I didn't know the whole ambulance right? if they were going to be alive or not i kind of assumed right I, I tried not to think about it but i didn't it was very just in shock i didn't know what to expect um so the babies were only at that hospital to stabilize them okay and then within 20 minutes or so they were sent to children's minneapolis
0: by which air is a level by... four
1: NICU by ambulance okay they were able to which was good um and that's a level four NICU and okay Minnesota and a very good, um, it's kind of to Abbott hospital. Okay. Um, so they were transferred there and I was there and they checked on my levels and they stabilized me and I was, I didn't have high heart rate. I didn't have high blood pressure. Um, nothing looked bad. And so for me, they still two and a half years later have not figured out okay. why I had them.
0: So are they saying that it was an incompetent cervix or like what was, did they, did they, they give even, you, they, they're like nothing. They're like, yeah, no, we, we don't even know.
1: Yeah. They've said they have no, they didn't even consider it incompetent cervix because it was fine throughout the pregnancy. So they didn't yeah. even say that there's like, I think they just call it a precipitant birth. Okay. And like a home, um, unassisted birth. They have no, and premature, they have no there's nothing on my OB record of okay. me like having an issue for having the marriage. just that I had a premature birth. Okay. <laughs> All I right. wish I could have closure for that. You know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Have you yeah. gone to any other specialists or have they biopsied the mucus plug or anything like that? Or did no. anybody even collect that?
1: They didn't even offer it. I didn't know that was an option. Honestly. I don't, I need, I don't that, know if it is to be honest with um, you. I'm just naming, that's I'm just saying idea. things. Yeah, they did. I mean, so they did tests on the babies for infections and things okay. like that to see if there was anything that could have caused them to come early. They also did not find anything for that.
0: Okay. Okay. So so now you're in one hospital, mm-hmm. the babies are in a separate hospital. How long does it take you to get to the, to the kids?
1: They actually discharged me by noon. Wow, because okay. they said I should be with the babies, and they weren't concerned. So that's why they were so not concerned with me. They didn't have me do any follow-ups right after that about me, and okay. it was a good hospital. I mean, I, um, I was a little concerned because my is it a six-week follow-up? Yeah, because this was also at the beginning of COVID. So they did my six-week follow-up virtual, and I uh, I asked to do it in person. They didn't think I qualified. Okay, so. Um, so yeah, I was discharged that day and my husband and I stopped at home and then drove to the hospital and started our, okay.
0: Okay. So five o'clock you deliver Mm -hmm. the babies in at home. Everybody is out totally by let's say five 30 ish. You call the ambulance. It takes 20 minutes for them to get you. Finally, the first chick shows up. She has no idea what's happening. She's just like, did nobody train me for this? shit yeah <laughs> so like i don't even know what's up so now she's waiting the other ambulances come they come they help you you deliver your placentas on your cu- your couch oh, so the placentas actually weren't delivered
1: into the hospital
0: sorry they couldn't get them out okay so <laughs> big, now big yes once you get to the hospital they give you medication which is assists which assists or they give you nothing they no. just they push. my ob came
1: and she pulled them out she helped push them out and pull them out
0: Okay. So now (laughs) you deliver the placentas and
1: then they're like, okay, all everything's good here. You could leave. Yes. Okay. I think, and they made us rest. They waited. I think they told us we had, I had to try to rest for like 20 minutes (laughs) they were like, you need to calm, like you need to just for yourself, like lay down for a minute. Okay. But I did (laughs) it.
0: You, well, you can't because your babies are someplace else. And if they're basically yeah. saying it's yellow light, it's going to be green light. You already see the green light and yeah. you're out of there. So yes. you go to the other hospital, but you're not checked in as a patient to the other hospital. No. You're just a regular person off the street mm-hmm. and your babies are the patients in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So now your babies are in the NICU. They're in the full on isolates. They're yes. getting,
1: uh, were they intubated? Yes. So, so they were, um, Yeah, James was actually on the jet ventilator, which is like the oscillator, which is the, um, I'm pretty sure the most intense ventilator you can be on. Okay. He was on it for about a month. Okay. Okay. And then Vera started out on the um, standard ventilator. um, Okay. She was on a ventilator, not CPAP yet. She was on a ventilator, but not jet. Okay. But she was able to switch to what's called CPAP within mm-hmm. about four days.
0: Wow. She's that's yes. that's uh we kind of had incredible opposite
1: experiences with them. Yeah.
0: Okay. So and she's your baby B. Yes. Okay. So now you're in the NICU and James was there for a hundred and twelve days. Yes. And Vera was there for a whopping 99. She did not want to stay for the triple digit days. (laughs) She wanted to get, she wanted to heck, get out of there. And you never even got a day in a hospital. Uh, No. And then (laughs) as far as lactation goes, did they say like, hey, listen, you know, Dana, just we're going to give you this pump, just good luck. Because at this point now they're just like, I feel like they're just going to throw things at you and be like, yeah, figure it out. Yeah, kind of, yeah. okay.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> so in the NICU, was, were, did your milk come in at all? It took me a little while. Um, that was another struggle. I feel like I had a lot of <laughs> separate struggles people have. I um, had extra trouble having it be, come in because I was on an anxiety medication Mm -hmm. that was safe for pregnancy but i didn't know it It was known to lower prolactin levels Mm. so the prolactin which is your hormone that helps you lactate uh, mine was incredibly low which i didn't find out for so my milk came in started coming in first it was the colostrum the yellow and then when my milk came in i never got more than like a couple ounces at a time for the first few weeks. Like it never, it seemed like it was okay at the beginning, but then it never went past that point. Okay. So I had my levels checked, and they found out that prolactin was low. So I was able to switch medications, but it was kind of too late. Um. So I, I did pump for a long time, but I okay. never was able to nurse. Okay. And then with babies, they couldn't even um have the milk for a long time. Um. Um, I mean, they couldn't nurse for me because they were on oxygen tubes. So I was getting, giving them donor milk. The hospital had donor milk. I was giving them that for a long time and then they were giving them what I could produce, but I never produced enough for a full bottle Um, until after a couple of months, literally, I think once almost about three months, I was starting to produce more where I was able to give, one bottle each a day I think was the most I was able to do okay and um, the hospital I will say had great they had lactation consultants that stopped at the beginning they stopped by pretty often and then I could schedule with them and they would come about twice a week or even anytime I really needed them they would come because children's hospital is connected to Abbott which is for adults too Mm -hmm. so they work together I mean it's from Abbott so they have a lot of resources for parents, so the lactation consultants are really great. Um, they also had great social workers on site that walked us through a lot. Um, a whole team of therapists and okay. all of that.
0: All right, well, hold that thought for one yes. second. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about the support services that were available in the hospital, and I also want to talk about that eventual 112 day discharge. So yes. sit tight, stay right there. If you're currently expecting twins and you're freaking out, relax, I got you covered. Hey, it's me, Natalie Diaz of Twiniversity and I wanna tell you some good news, our online class Is now available on demand, which means you want to watch our class at two o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, go for it. You want to watch it at a 7 a.m. on a Saturday? Do it. Our online class is there for you. And if you're like, what are you gonna cover, Nat? We have dozens upon dozens of topics, including what equipment you'll need when, what to pack for the hospital. We'll talk about twin specific pregnancy concerns. We'll talk diapering tricks. We'll talk baby proofing. We'll talk marriage. Yeah, we got you covered. So head on over to twiniversity.com slash classes and check out our on-demand classes today. All right, Dana, we're back. And I want to talk about the support services in the hospital. And I want to talk about the hospital discharge. But first, let's go to the support services. So now you mentioned that the NICU did have lactation that was available there for your assistance. And you did talk about the social worker that was there and you had some support. What Because you didn't deliver in that hospital Mm -hmm. and because technically now you don't have an OB team with that hospital... And it's only the NICU team and neonatologists and, you know, the the respiratory therapists and all that stuff. Like your babies have a team, but you don't necessarily have a team. How does it work when you are not a patient of that hospital to receive the support services, especially like those of the social
1: worker? Well, the services were definitely more family based than individually for me. Okay, but um, the social worker was helpful because we had somebody assigned. Our case and somebody for both babies, of mm-hmm. course, it was the same person. And she walked us through getting they qualified for social security, mm-hmm. um, they qualified for the medical assistance in Minnesota because they weighed under 1,000 grams at birth. Okay, which is about two and a half pounds, I think. Um, and James weighed two pounds, three ounces, Vera was two pounds, one ounce. Okay. So they were both between 900 and 950 grams. So they qualified for a lot of services in Minnesota. So the social worker walked us through how to sign up for that. Okay. And she gave us paperwork that could have helped us with um, our, I think there was support for mortgages, but we didn't end up doing that. I don't think we quite qualified, Um, but there's a lot of different support for families That you can get a lot is financial based, but also a lot is based on their health. So, with the thousand grams, I'm pretty sure the limit of your like salary or income limit is it is a very high limit. Most people qualify for something still just because of the health of the babies. Okay. And then the hospital had a Ronald Donald House down the hall, and then they also used to have group therapy for parents. There were parents could meet together and talk, but. This also happened a month after the big like, rise of COVID. So, okay. this was April of 2020. Okay. So, after the lockdown. So, so, everything was locked down. Okay.
0: So, what yep. you got to stay at the Ronald
1: McDonald house yep. in the so hospital? That was closed. That was closed they too. You could go in there to eat. Okay. But the hotel part of it was closed yeah. because of COVID.
0: Okay. So, what's, what emotional support services were available, if any?
1: Not really, right there because of covid i mean the social worker was probably the yeah. most but no nothing official okay that i i think there was a there might have been a chaplain somewhere in the hospital but i didn't they never connected i don't think and okay. i don't know if that was open okay um but yeah not much because of covid i mean and everybody had a you know i mean i know i think yeah. people still have to wear masks all the time but that was the yeah. start of that and um even for the food, you had to be very careful. And when you went to the Ronald McDonald house to eat, they wanted yeah. you to stay at least six feet away from other families. So you could talk, but you had to talk from a distance. Okay. So it's harder to meet the other people.
0: Can I ask yeah. you another weird question? Mm-hmm. Did you ever get tested for COVID antibodies?
1: I don't think so, but I've never been positive for COVID.
0: You've never tested positive for COVID? No. Okay.
1: I mean, I still could have been without knowing, but I've... Yeah. I've never been positive. Okay.
0: Okay. So there isn't a, a significant amount of therapy this we're we're just literally going from a real world to a virtual world. You're literally caught in this web that is United States confusion. No one knows what's happening. You certainly don't know what's happening with your own family. Forget about the country. Mm-hmm. Could you even pay attention to what's happening to the country? Did you even really know what was happening or were you in such baby land
1: yeah a little of both so the story has so many parts of it but we were in minnesota we were right down the street from the george floyd yes um, trauma so we went on lockdown because of that too the hospital we were in went on lockdown (laughs) so when you were locked down you got Mm
0: -hmm. to be locked down in the hospital or you were locked
1: okay i could but there were it was for like three significant days of it like when it happened and then after they told that people went up to our room and were like if you're going to leave you need to leave within the next hour yeah or it's going to be locked down or it'll be dangerous um and i did end up leaving i never ended up staying the whole night but it was really hard because we had to we would stay there until Mm -hmm. usually like 9 p.m or something but those days i had to leave at five so i missed a whole evening of yeah being there um and that was scary too because we would park in the parking garage across from the hospital. There's a um, walkway that would take you, and mm-hmm. we would see all these like SWAT cars out in the hospital. There were more guards. The windows of the hospital were boarded up. I mean, we were lit, it was literally on the same street on Chicago Avenue. Okay. As where it happened, it was just, I think, 10 blocks, 12 blocks down. So on the same street. So when there were um, protests that happened, mm-hmm. like, I mean, on that street, people walked, we saw protests walk through the street, and we had to change the way we were driving home, too. Um, but that ha- that was about a month or two into it.
0: Okay so but it's still only a month or two into it i mean what could it be six weeks you know what i mean yeah so you have like this this unbelievable life trauma and then Mm -hmm. six weeks later the weeks later the country goes into weird lockdown then there's riots and protests and civil unrest and confusion and sadness and Mm
1: -hmm. it's just a lot what did your family do (laughs) well they weren't allowed to visit we couldn't have visitors in the hospital at that time. Zero visitors, just the parents. Yeah. Um, it was hard. My my family actually is in Texas. Okay. And then my husband was there. So I, yeah, I couldn't even, I didn't even see my family the, until we came home from the NICU. I didn't see anybody from my family. Okay. And my husband's mom and sister live nearby and his dad. Um, but they were all... We didn't see them as much because we also had to be really careful. Um, We had to try to not get sick ourselves. Of course. Of course. So, you know, they checked our, which was great. They checked our temperatures every day, but we had to fill out this answer about symptoms. So we couldn't have any. So we were very careful at the beginning about seeing anybody even on our own at our house. Yeah. But um, our families were very, I mean, they tried to communicate with us as much as they could and um, send some gifts and. Care baskets and we had some good friends.
0: Well, what were the best ways that they supported you? Since they couldn't physically be there when you're looking back now, what do you think were some of the greatest like benefits that you received from your family? Because everybody, you know, like honestly, Dana, like everybody always asks, like, what do we do? How do we help them? What were the ways that you felt best supported?
1: I think really just talking. I mean somebody just reaching out. And even if you don't respond, you know, just somebody at least saying like, hey, how are you doing? Or hey, I'm thinking of you. Like that goes a long way because sometimes I wasn't really wanting to talk or if somebody kind of forced me to talk, it would actually end up being helpful. Yeah. Um, And then people kind of bring Mm. gifts unexpectedly. Like I'm, I'm somebody that I'm not good at asking for help. I'm horrible at asking for help. And if somebody asks me if I need something, I usually say no. So I think if, when people just like sent it, like DoorDash, gift gets hard to Um, But also while you're at the hospital, that isn't, I guess it, that was more when we got home. That was really nicer for meals at home. Because if you're at the hospital, mm-hmm. we were lucky to have hospital food okay. a lot of the time. But after a month or so, it was nice to get a break from that. But at first the food wasn't, it was really just, let. I mean, really, I think the number one thing is letting people know they're there. And it was hard at first too, because I knew and people have yeah. told me now looking back at it a lot of people did, including us, didn't know if the babies were making it. So not many people gifted baby things. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of hard, though, because that made me, re- I, I mean, that was good. But it was also like, wow, well, like, people are not doing this intentionally because they don't know yeah, if they're surviving. So that was hard. But I um, think like personalized baby blankets were sweet because that's still even if something happened, that's nice to have. Um, yeah. yeah, just really showing the support and... Giving little just thoughtful like gifts to let somebody know that you're there. Yeah. Cause there's not much to do. Yeah.
0: Now, how how were things going between you and Jeff? How was how were you were you communicating well with each other? Did you shut each other down? Like like, you know, yeah. couples could really take this two ways. It either yeah. turns into we're we can't be together anymore, or this made us stronger beyond any yeah. comparison.
1: During the NICU, it was really, I mean, good. He was great. I was, I mean, we were good. He took off time from work too. Um, I was done with work. I had been a preschool teacher and then my school closed anyways because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was done and then he, and I was planning on taking 16 months off anyways, before I knew this was going to happen. Okay. But then he took off a little bit of time and he was at the hospital. He was there every single day. I think he didn't go two days out of the hundred and twelve. Um, okay. And I was there every day. But we drove home. We not We lived forty minutes away, so we mm. chose to sleep at our home. Okay. Just um, and the nurses. The first day we wanted to sleep there, they were like, you know, you need to just go home, have like a little bit of normal time. Yeah. And sleep in your own bed. But he was really great. He was really supportive. I think both of us have, I don't know, been through some different things and some other like, you know, trauma things in childhood or that we just have a tolerance, I think built up where both of us were on autopilot together okay. Okay. and just really there for each other and there. Um, and we both wanted the baby so badly. Like we, he struggled with the infertility too. And I think just knowing when they were born, we didn't know if they were going to be alive. So the fact yeah. that they were alive and doing, I think we were both just grateful and just going with the flow and just seeing what would happen but we were i mean good with each other we've there have been harder moments on and off you know since then like because i know you'll talk about it later but we still have had some health scares with them and a lot of medical appointments yeah. and different things so it's the other things have happened but overall like we're strong and we've okay. been doing well
0: so let's talk about that you know before yeah. discharge what what type of medical interventions did they have to receive for the for yeah. the 112 days that James was there mm-hmm. you know what exactly did he have to
1: kind of go through so at the beginning he was a sicker one we didn't really i mean up until he was off that ventilator. We had a few sit down talks. I mean, they sat us down saying they didn't know what the outcome would be. The doctors, the neonatologists. Um, so one thing with him, when he was born, he was born in the toilet. He ended up getting, I think it was a staph infection actually in his eye, but it ended up being okay. But he got an infection due to the toilet, which I feel horrible about, but luckily he hasn't had any issues due to that. And it's over, but that was really hard. Um, he also had grade two brain blades okay, with dilated ventricles, and that goes from grade one is the most mild and usually goes away on its own. Grade four is severe. A lot of kids, I mean, don't end up having an average life, okay. Um, and grade two can go either way, kind um, of. And he had that, so he had to have. I think they did a brain scan maybe even every day to check if it was growing. Okay. And he also was born with a PDA, a hole in his heart and some kids have to get surgeries to close it up. He did mm-hmm. not, but he did have to get on the medication. I think it was, I don't know if it was Tylenol. I want it. There's one that common one other kids have to get on for that. Okay. I think it's, it's something like Tylenol. Okay. And, um, That eventually closed it up and his lungs were very, very sick. Mm -hmm. He had both his lungs collapsed at different times. Um, His oxygen was very low on its own a lot of the time. So he had that ventilator. Um, And he at one point started having issues with his kidney, his bladder. He wasn't urinating and they couldn't figure out why. And they found out he had a blood clot. in his kidney. Okay. And it was from his pick line, which is one of the lines that Mm -hmm. gives nutrients. Um, And so they removed it and the blood clot went away. But then a few days after that, his respiratory health got very bad and his heart rate was having issues. And one of the nurses asked to do an ultrasound of that and they found out the blood clot had moved up. Mm. It didn't go away, it moved up. He okay. got stuck in his pulmonary artery between his lung and his heart, and he had that actually. That didn't go away until he turned one. So we were on extra medication. Mm-hmm. What was it called? He was on a. We had to give him Lovenox shots. Yes. So they he did that through the hospital. A okay. Yep. And we had to do that at home twice a day. Okay. And then it went away right after his first birthday. Um, and then he, I mean, those are the big things, but, you know, he had, um, the ROP in his eyes. He had to have about four blood transfusions. Um, and he, so, well,
0: James yeah. was having all these things. Vera was just growing and everything was okay. She, she was
1: lucky. She was pretty stable. She did have, she had a great, so she had a grade one brain bleed and that okay. went away on its own. Okay. She had a grade one. And then she had a small PDA, actually her PDA ended up also, she had to have medication, but then it went okay. away. Okay. And then she did have to have like two blood transfusions because her levels were low. But then besides that, she was, they said she had was having a boring next day. Yeah. <laughs> like bo- wait, boring is great, standard. right?
0: It's like, if you yeah. think about it, that's, that's your, that's the best. Best yeah. description of
1: any NICU stay. Yeah, and so they when, both were on those Billy Rubin lights. Sorry, they had yeah. the Billy the for weeks. Um, but yeah, but she was oh. a lot healthier than him. It's
0: it's <sighs> baby bees. I mean, he he paved yeah. the way for her, so he he took yeah. uh, he took the the hit here. This poor little monkey. Yeah. <laughs> so now, when she was discharged at ninety nine days. How ready were you for them to come home? Like, were you apprehensive? Were you like, nope, this is where we live now. We live in a NICU. Was it a hard transition um, to come home?
1: Very relieved, but we were scared. Um, I was scared just because they had been, you know, we had somebody helping us all the time. Mm-hmm. And they did wean us a little, like toward just the discharge they had us do more of a diaper than us do, um, they taught us how to do more things, but, um, and she was going home without an oxygen monitor and, um, like with nothing, she didn't have anything at the time. So it was kind of scary. Like, wow. Like this baby has been so fragile. Yeah. Um, cause she did well, but she still was, you know, she was sick. So she still had a lot of yeah compared to the you know, but she, yeah, we're so scary, but that was one thing I will say for people. I know everybody gets really sad when they bring one baby before the other and it is hard, but I brought, I was able to bring her as a visitor with me and I I was just able to bring her to visit James the next 13 days and I could still, they would, they shared a room and they kept her crib there and I could still ask questions. I could still like, they kind of helped walk me through things at home with her and the nurses were really supportive and it was kind of nice also transitioning one baby at home. So starting to know what it was like with one baby before Mm -hmm. we added another, and then also getting some support from the hospital with, for her.
0: So now when James was, when James was released, right. So like Mm -hmm. 13 days later, James comes home. Was he on, um, you know, a a bunch of things? Was he pretty much just let him loose? He
1: made a big turnaround. Yeah. He ended up he did not have to go home. Neither of them went home with feeding tubes or oxygen. Okay. Which is a lot of kids born early. Yeah. Have at least one. And they, so he made a big turnaround. Um, he did, like, since we were home, he had, they both had to have a lot of visits with um, pulmonology for lungs mm-hmm. and cardiology for heart. And then he had a lot of, we had to go to the, um, my gosh, what? Neurologist and neurosurgeon once a month to get a scan of his brain. But um, since the NICU, nothing grew Um, and he's actually been doing great. So he, um, he does, he was finally this past June diagnosed with mild cerebral palsy, but it does not affect him cognitively at his two-year checkup. Okay. He tested 41 months for communication and language and cognitive. <laughs> so he's got a, he's, he's got a, cerebral, a lot to say. Yeah. So okay. Cerebral palsy. He does have because of the brain blades. Mm-hmm. And then the result of that is he um, has stiffness in his right leg okay. and his knee and his ankle. So he okay. walks with kind of a limp and he still goes to physical therapy um, every two weeks.
0: But he's walking on his
1: own. Yeah. And so running he made milestones. Yeah. He walked at 17 months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Slowly, but he took his That's,
0: first step for 17 months. Yeah. And so now, what is, what does the future
1: look like? Um, pretty good. I mean, still, it, it's still overwhelming with just having to even just do appointments for maintenance, but we're on a good track. Um, for James, he's going to have to continue physical therapy, and he might need to get a bigger a brace on his legs okay um like an afl brace um but we have to we're we just moved actually so we're having to find a new physical therapist and he'll okay might have that for a while and then just continue physical therapy but there shouldn't be any surgeries or anything for that they said there's a chance he could need they can give botox for that to loosen wow um the joints but otherwise he's okay um respiratory wise they both Go to a pulmonologist and they did end up having, so they have chronic lung disease. That's okay. another thing. Okay. Most premiums end up having being diagnosed with that. Yep. Vera has actually had worse lung issues since then okay. than James. Um, but we have found, I mean, the key is to find a great team. And we, the hospital we're at, luckily has good teams that do outpatient. Yeah. And our pulmonologist was amazing and has, they both have a plan. And they have inhalers every day. And then when they get sick, they have a separate plan. So that'll be yeah, pretty long-term. Okay. But it's under control.
0: And that's fairly um, typical yeah. preemie, you know, especially yeah. that early, even without a uh, emergency toilet delivery. Yeah. I mean, that's very <laughs> typical for, yeah. you know, for that gestation. So how do you, like, honestly, like, I love them. Good. I'm happy for James and Fira, but like, how are
1: you? I'm good. I mean, sometimes I feel like a lot of times I feel like this is getting we're getting past this, but then things will happen that remind me of it and it's yeah. hard. But um I mean I'm very lucky. Like Jeff has been very support we've been supportive with each other and that's very helpful. Um and having family that's there. But um we have done a lot of it mostly on our own because we don't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of around. We had okay. some, but not a lot. Um I did, I did not, I was not in therapy at first. I started therapy, I think when they were five months old, maybe six months old, I should have. Okay. No, actually I waited a year. So okay. okay. I started therapy a year. I was in therapy before I got pregnant and then I stopped and then I waited a year because I'm kind of, I am somebody that I say I'm okay a lot when maybe I'm not, but I yeah. <laughs> act cheery, you know, so I yeah. need somebody to push it out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah but I did go to therapy for a while. That was pretty helpful. And, um, it was hard with COVID being separate. That made it a lot harder being away. Um, yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I feel like I luckily my degrees in early in, well, human development and family studies, but I've been in early childhood for 15, 13 years. So I know a lot about kids and that makes me feel more confident, I guess. Um, I have had to change, like, figure out some things that work. Like, I went back to work at 16 months um, with them at my school with me, and it was a seven-hour day. That was okay. And then I took on a really big job in the summer. I was actually okay. director of a preschool wow. in June, and that was what I always wanted. So I got the opportunity, and I took it. But it's, I realized that's not like it was too much. I can't prioritize work over my kids yeah, We ended up moving anyways, but I um have realized some things that work more for me. Like I need more time to have more time for appointments for them. I think mm-hmm. if I give myself more scheduled time, it's not as stressful to make the yeah. appointments. Okay. So it's really hard when you have to move work around. It's really hard when you have other things. So I've been lucky that I can work less. Okay. Um, but some days are so hard, like two weeks, three weeks ago, they both got COVID from school. And we went to the ER twice with James because he ended up also having he had COVID. He had enterovirus, mm-hmm. which is going around the rhinovirus. Mm-hmm. He had hand, foot, and mouth, and he had a double ear infection. So, so really, everything fever of one hundred and four point five, and had his oxygen oh. was eighty nine. So things still happen. Like we'll think everything's going really great, yeah. and then sometimes their immune system still, you know, yeah. prove to us that they're preemies. Um,
0: it's going to yeah. be, unfortunately, you know, to be, to just throw it out there. It's the, it's that way for a minute, you know, with yeah. preemies, it, it could be like that for 10 years. You know, there yeah. is eventually it all comes out in the wash, but mm-hmm. you know, there's preemies that, you know, within three years, everything seems pretty typical. There's some within five years, but even me delivering at 34 yeah. and change, I still had issues at 11 with respiratory mm-hmm. issues. It's like, we really it's whatever whatever cards get thrown at us not even dealt they're just flung at our faces we have to deal with them it's you know it's it's very very difficult i feel i feel really really bad in a lot of ways and i'm not saying that to to give you you know like oh i feel bad for you but Mm -hmm. in all sincerity like if nobody told you how freaking amazing you are (laughs) like honestly like there should be something on your mirror that when you go into you know any room of your house it would be like dana you're you're a a rock star because it's you know we say that well you know god can only give us you know what we handle i don't i don't even know that it's a whole different topic for a different day but you you are unbelievably dealing with this and if it a lot of times, I think like like I would say like thank God that James and Vera have you mm-hmm. as their mother. Like had they <laughs> been you. born into a different family, it might be very different for everybody. You know, it's 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 unbelievable, and we're we're very lucky. And I'm I tell Jeff I love him too. <laughs> I don't even know him, but like I'm, I'm now invested yeah. in this. But you know, you're you get to, to kind of sit where you are now and you look back. And how old are are the puppies
1: now? Two and a half.
0: So we're almost coming up to our big 3rd birthday which is mm-hmm. a big transition too for early intervention right so now yes. we have this this kind of big monumental kind of step when you're when you're looking back at things besides of course that everybody's okay and we're making it through what are some of the things that you're grateful for and that you realized like these were, you know, miraculous things that happened. And thank goodness we did things this way.
1: Yeah, lots of things. Um, one, just from the beginning, when we talked about the, about the umbilical cords and their position and um, how they asked us to cut them, mm-hmm. later the doctors told us that was one of the things or maybe the thing that saved their lives. Because they were still getting nutrients from them. And somehow, miraculously, how I was sitting and how Jeff was sitting, the angle was working to do it the right way. And not because sometimes it can do the opposite, it can cut off circulation, but somehow the way we're doing it was helping and giving them oxygen. And we didn't really honestly think that through. I mean, I think it just, I was more worried about putting like rusty scissors on it or something, but um, that happened to maybe be the initial thing that really helped um and i'm initial i'm grateful for all the support the hospital gave really i mean yeah i know not everybody is lucky enough to have a good experience with their hospital but we i mean almost every nurse that was there we had great experiences with the doctors were amazing um one of my favorite things was their neonatologists there and the specialists there took their time to talk each time they weren't the type of doctor that would just usually like rush in and not care what you're saying and rush out like they a lot of them would just sit down and talk and yeah they said really nice things and um would take their time to get to know us and that meant a lot to me because i have a big pet peeve of n- talking to somebody and telling being able to tell they're in a rush and i feel like a lot of doctors do that
0: yeah, they um, they definitely do. That's that's like yeah. a tip that we give everybody at Twin University is always <laughs> yeah. use the the staff people because the staff, you know, if you have your pediatrician come from home, they are going to rush you. It's when you yeah. get to to have the the staff folks that they really can spend the the time with you, which is yeah. is great. But that wasn't even anything recommended to you. That's just the way that yeah.
1: that it went. It was a great yeah. And then I think, I mean, really. It sounds generic, but you know, the support of my family and friends and, and the people yeah. that stuck with us, Yeah, because I felt like sometimes, I guess this type of event, which people call traumatic, I don't, I'm hard to, it's hard for me to admit, it's like a traumatic event because I, I don't know, because I went through it, but it's, it's not the same as going through like death of a love. I'm not going to commit completely that, but I've like, I lost my dad. 11 years ago and you know at first everybody like talks to you and really cares and after a while that kind of trickles away and then a lot of people don't know what to say or stop talking or stop checking in Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like that like a lot of people gave attention at the beginning and really cared and then it was interesting to see who stayed and who continued to check in and who has continued and who continues to care so I think really grateful for the people that really stepped up and Really genuine because it is similar to those event, just a life event where you know, at yeah. first people care, and then and I'm sure they still care, but they forget to yeah. check
0: in. Yes, out yeah. of sight and of mind, too. You yeah. know, and COVID certainly didn't help with that with people not being able to visit you and the kiddos yeah. and stuff. So now, what does your days look like? like or do you have therapists that are coming to the house on a regular basis? Are you going out for therapy? Is there no therapy? what What is a regular no. day in the life of you guys look now?
1: So right now, we're really lucky. I mean, compared to what it could be, they most of their appointments are follow-up appointments every few months or so. Um, okay. Our life is actually a little weird right now. I mean, maybe this can't, but we just moved to Texas. Back to my family two days ago. So it is not a normal in the day. Um,
0: it's always good to schedule but, a podcast on day two yes. of moving to a different state. Always great.
1: I wanted to get it out of the way and I was excited to talk Thanks, yeah, so I'm in Thanks for getting me way. out of the way. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm in an empty room, so it might be echoing. No, I was super excited. I guess I should say I wanted to get just done because I was excited to do it but, <laughs> but um
0: even if you got yeah, out of the way maybe, I still love you it doesn't matter I'm so happy uh, I'm, I'm uh-huh. thrilled that you, yeah. you're your to does. but uh. I guess
1: like a few weeks ago I was both my husband works full-time he's a buyer at a floral warehouse um I was a full-time director of preschool so and before that I was a teacher um but so we were lucky where we, the only appointments that we were having was physical therapy every two weeks for James and Mm -hmm. BR gets to go and play. She loves. And then, um, right now we're very fortunate. It's just a pulmonologist every three weeks, three months. eye doctor every six months. And when they get sick though, it's like, yeah five pediatrician appointments in two weeks yeah. but when they're healthy we're very lucky um we were having early intervention also uh, once a month um vera just um they just said she doesn't qualify anymore for this school year i do wonder if eventually she might like she talks but her diction is a little harder to hear mm-hmm. but james has perfect like diction where people look at him in public and like how old is this kid because he talks northern than he should. so I so Vera is testing well on everything and she doesn't need it anymore but James because of his cerebral palsy still qualifies yeah um so those are but those are the only things I mean the kids love to go outside we go on walks we have a dog and two mm. cats perfect um yeah so pretty right now pretty normal it wasn't even like this six months ago I mean it's been We're very lucky. The first year, especially after the Nikki was, um, I think I wrote once on my social media, it was like an average of four appointments a week for about the first year. Yeah. It's a minute. It's changed a lot.
0: It is. It's, it's, you know, it's take some time. And now you're looking into the future and now you're in warmer weather too, which is good. What are some of the things that you're
1: most looking forward to right now? Spending more time with my kids, and my nephews, because um, we've been so busy lately. It's been hard to just really take advantage of being together. We have more time right now. I'm yeah. not working for at least the next two months or so. And then maybe January, I'll start again. But right now, I'm home with them. We're moving. Their nephew is two months younger than them. Or their nephew, their cousin is two months younger than them. And then they have another cousin here. Both these are my sister's kids that... So. Was just born in June, so we have uh-huh. family here. My mom's here, um, so a lot of time outside exploring. I think today we're going to the children's aquarium later Definitely. this afternoon with my sister. Um, so really, just enjoying what we have. We are going to be getting involved. So part of my life, I do have to make a lot of phone calls. So I have to get new pediatrician and yeah. p- specialists and PT. So we do yeah. have to start signing up for. Getting them reassessed in Texas. Yeah. um, Getting signed up for the new um, assistance we can have in Texas. Okay. All right. So you got some things
0: to do, and I'm packing some boxes. (laughs) And Uh, running outside and snuggling new babies and being with your mom that you haven't been with a while. I mean, this is all really, really good things. Your future is looking bright and literally physically bright from getting out of the snow, moving down to the sweltering heat. But you guys still get snow every once in a while in Texas, which (laughs) always confuses me. I'm like, it
1: never snows here. My sister's like, it snowed once last year. Yes. that's Not still though I'm like
0: <laughs> I'm like what exactly is going on? Yes because yeah. I think Texas, but Texas like shuts down with a flurry yes. you know their roads don't know what to do with it like we're you know yes. if you live up north where we're used to snow, we're like please mm-hmm. please yeah. this might be our Texas this is nothing yeah. you got you got a flurry yeah, oh my be, gosh. Yeah. Dana, honestly, I'm I'm so thankful that you seriously with everything that you have going on that you took time to talk to us and I, I'm genuinely very very appreciative. So thank you so much, Dana, for talking to us thank today. You, and thank I, you
1: for I, having I, me. Oh, you're just ridiculous! Yeah. Nope, the pleasure is the literally all ours. You were the first pregnancy book I bought, actually, or had oh. bought for me. That's so so what to do when you're having two. So.
0: Oh my gosh, well, I wish that it could have been more practical. If you even read (laughs) read the NICU stuff, there might've been a few good things in there from (laughs) one NICU mom to the other. But uh, I'm going to give you your money back for the book because yeah. I feel that you, you, didn't, you didn't get there. But you never know. That's it. Maybe when uh, Vera has her twins, you could pass it yeah. down. So that's the way that it goes. Right. But but Dana, honestly, I, I'm excited to follow you guys and, you know, to t- stalk your family on social yes. and watch everybody grow yep. and be happy. And especially in your new surroundings. So thank you
1: so much yes. for playing thank with Thank you me. so much for having me. have a good day
0: (laughs) you too now guys if you have any questions for me or for dana you could email us at community at twiniversity.com if you need anything from us ever make sure that you always stalk us on social too you could send us a dm as the kids say slide into our dms anywhere on any platform at any time we're just at twiniversity and until next time guys see you later alligators thanks for listening